welcome to Desert Island Geek. Each episode, we welcome one self-confessed geek to our deserted island. But there's a catch. They may bring five, and only five, of their most essential geek items they simply cannot live without. Welcome back to another Desert Island Geek. This week, we have with us Ewan Spence. He is a kilt-wearing podcaster, an uber geek, and producer of the very popular TPN Rock Show. And I guarantee you'll find him at pretty much every new media event across the world. Ewan, welcome to Desert Island Geek. Thank you very much, Mr. Customs Officer, that's never, ever stayed over at my house while I've been recording the Edinburgh Festival podcast either. Absolutely not. I deny all knowledge of who you are, where you are, and the colour of your kilt. Now, oh, there we go. Not a problem. Yes, um, it's an interesting life I lead. Um, I tend to describe it as rather like Kane from Kung Fu, but if he had a broadband connection. So, so effectively, it is Glennie Larson 2.0. So, so you're actually putting the world to rights as you travel around doing all your new media and geeky stuff? Um. Put, put to rights is an interesting way of describing it. I would say it's um, just putting down the English, but uh, I suppose you could argue that, yes. Well, but not being English myself, I think that's a very worthy cause. Hey! And of course, it, um, you know, you just like that stuff. And yeah, I have to say, you know, when you travel, you, you mentioned the kilt there. Um, and it's really easy when you go to a business conference uh, or a media conference and everybody's wearing shirt and tie, shirt and tie, shirt and tie. Or um, Keith and the Girl t-shirt, Keith and the Girl t-shirt, Keith and the Girl t-shirt. Uh, and then there's a bloke at the other side of the room with a kilt on. Um, and you can be pretty sure that that will be me. Um, apart from at PodCamp Boston, um, when Nick Butler decided he would wear a kilt as well and uh, rapidly realised the error of his misfortune. Well, I think you have very distinctive looks, as far as I can gather, from the photograph that you sent me as part of your your application for the island. So and unless there's someone who looks exactly like you, then I, I think we can probably tell two kilt-wearing um, podcasters and new media people apart. Yeah, yeah. Just, just imagine Marty Feldman crossed with Chewbacca, and you're probably there. Absolutely perfect. So the island, you're... Uh, Hopefully, want to come onto the island, spend a little bit of time on on the island on your own. And as you know, there are specific requirements. You are only allowed five geeky items, and the first one is access to a particular website. Uh, which website would you like to be able to access while you're on the island? I, I take it we're ruling out the classic "how to rule over a desert island like a god and get everything you want for a pebble." dot com. Yes. Ah, right, okay. In that case, I'll probably take the archive library of the bastard operator from Hell Stories. Um, I mean, operators and IT guys uh, and, and workers know the, the sheer power that the head of IT has. Um, you know, the boff, the bastard operator from Hell, who will give you nothing, who you have to ask to reset your password, and who generally's purpose is to, um, you know, do as little work as possible and, and not let anybody switch a computer on or interfere with any of his free runnings of his uh, multi-person shooter playing games and everything. Um, it is ran on the register. Um, and it's, 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 it's an ongoing series. It's been going on for about 11 or 12 years now. Um, and it's just, the you know, how an IT support guy makes sure that his life runs as smoothly as possible. And he does that by um, killing off management, killing off all the users, uh, wiping out passwords, and generally being a bit of a bastard. So it's a kind of de demonic 
uh, geeky revenge? And do you think that being remote from everything, you can sit back and laugh at the prospect of someone in IT messing with everybody's heads and all their accounts and all kinds of other things? Yeah, it's. It, I think it's kind of like how, you know, regular cops watch Columbo just because they see, you know, this, they know he's smart. They know he's good. They know that they're never, ever going to be as good as Peter Falk. And, and, you know, you know, just just one more thing, just one more. There was a tiny, tiny spot of flour on the fireplace. You, do you remember? You do remember seeing that? Yes, I put it there. Oh, right. Thanks. And it all falls into place. And police officers love watching that sort of stuff. Um, and in the same way as an IT person, I love seeing the stories of, you know, when when you have an... I, I used to do IT support. Uh, and whenever somebody would complain about a network cable and the network not working, you just really wanted to do something to them. Uh, and what the bastard operator from hell would do is he has a, a special network port, uh, which at one end is a bit of RG45 cable, and the other end plugs into the mains. And he just gets people to touch their tongues to check that there's a little bit of current running through it. End of problem. Ah, now I see. Yeah, so there there is distinctly evil, actually, and and deliberately unpleasant to whoever he has to deal with. It's it's very black British humour. Yes, and that can be the either the best or the worst, depending on your viewpoint of British humour, of course. Uh, well, you know, I'm not looking to take over four pints of lager and a packet of crisps, so um, I think we've got rid of the worst of British humour already. I think with uh, the level of culture or lack of on the island, then uh, even uh, four pints of lager and a packet of crisps might actually improve the entertainment level to to some of the uh, the other visitors, perhaps. Yeah, and of course, you know, there, there's now now that there's a writer's strike in America, the script level quality of of, of lager and crisps is actually improving. Um, comparatively, I mean, it, it's still the same, but you know, now you're comparing it to infinite reruns of Lost. No contest. Now, you mentioned Lost. I mean, do you think Lost might actually give you some tips about uh, surviving on the island? Yeah, yeah. Don't be falling in friends with Terry O'Quinn. Um, and the only reason I say that is, A, because I've never seen Lost, but B, he did get to play Howard Hughes in The Rocketeer, which was a brilliant film. Uh, and for that, I will be ever thankful. In addition to a website, you can have access to one podcast while you are on the island. What podcast would that be? Um, I, I was considering quite strongly how to rule over a desert island like a god and get everything you want for a pebble, but I don't know if that's going to be allowed. I believe that will be banned. Ah, right. Well, in that case, I'll probably go for NPR's uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the topical hourly news quiz coming out of American Public Broadcast Radio. How often does that uh, go out? Um, it's a topical weekly uh, news quiz, uh, so the clue is in the subtitle there, Neil. Sorry, Mr. Customs Officer. Mr. Customs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, wait, wait, don't tell me. It's kind of like a cross. It's it's in that halfway house between Radio Four's the news quiz and Have I Got News for You. It's a it's a it's a panel of guests uh, and the host Peter Siegel, uh, and uh, they just basically talk about the American news with a very liberal bent t towards it. Uh, but there, there's enough jokes on there if you're Republicans as well. It's very light and easy, um, but it's very sophisticated American comedy. Um, there's not there's not a huge amount of that, and most of it does reside in in the radio. I mean, it was a really close call between Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and, 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 and Prairie Home Companion. Um, but the thing is, Prairie Home Companion's podcast only is one tiny bit of the show. It only does the news from Lake Obigon, not the full thing, mostly because of musical and rights clearances. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me gives you the full show, the full one hour every week. So um, in, in this case, you know, length uh, uh, and quantity does shine through. 
Do you think that a just a weekly show will be enough to keep you entertained? Oh yes, uh, um, because the, the, the humor is first of all the humor is very topical. So I, I could spend two days trying to almost reverse puzzling what actually has happened in the world to make them joke about Clinton, Obama, and O.J. Simpson. I mean that that would keep me amused for hours. Um, it it is very very long form. There's a lot of discussion uh, because they always have a guest on every week, and the guest uh, has to answer questions on a topic that is nothing to do with their life. I remember when they they had the spokesperson for the White House come on and made them answer questions about Hershey bars and the Hershey chocolate bar company. Now, one of the, the best ways of working out what's going on within America is not to watch American news, but is to watch something like The Daily Show. And do you see this show as being along the similar lines where you're going to really be able to monitor exactly what's going on within the US and to, and to a certain extent within the rest of the world purely through the satire? I think so. Yes. If you if the Daily Show um, is is your independent, then wait, wait, don't tell me. Would rather would be rather like the Sunday Times. Right. Gotcha. So a, a little bit more. Uh, how can we say a little bit more regimented, perhaps a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit more regimented, a little bit more political, right. um, a little bit less celebrity, and I mean they, they'll make jokes about Alan Greenspan, for example, whereas the Daily Show will will go for the the cheap shot against Mike Huckabee. Purely because of his name, of course. But purely, yes. I mean, President Huckabee, we will defend you with honour. We will never let the White House... You called Huckabee for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like, to go on a complete aside, you know, America should choose their presidents by name. You know, this is how Hillary's going to win. President Clinton, you can... Like I would say you could get behind Clinton quite easily, um, but I think that's already been proven in the first two terms. This, of course, is the third term. In no way are they trying to bypass the constitutional limits on um, the 22nd Amendment. Um, President Mike Huckabee, not really going to inspire the army. You know, you'd think um, uh, President Obama might do it, uh, but you're not quite sure which army uh, w would actually coalesce behind him, especially uh, when you consider uh, that his middle name is Hussein Obama. And surnames, yes. So, I mean, President Hussein Obama, um, you, you could certainly, you know, you could certainly get the troops behind you. Um, admittedly, most of them would have their carbines loaded. So there may be a little bit of mistaken identity involved, the danger of mistaken identity there. I, 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 I would hesitate to suggest such a thing in such a searchable and open topic. But, you know, blue on blue, you know, the Democrats have form, America has form. Now, you seem to have a great knowledge of the American political system, and, and it is going through uh, some important changes right now, of course, uh, in the the fact that the current term with uh, with President Bush is... is doesn't have a great great deal many more months to go. Do you take an active interest in, in what's going on out there or do you simply just monitor what's happening and just enjoy the spectacle? Because, I mean, I'm a regular listener, wait, wait, don't tell me, which means I already get all that fed in. And things like the, the, the financial markets, things like, you know, almost like, you know, what the UK army is going to be doing in, in the next couple of months, a lot of it's determined by America. It's, it, there's only one superpower left in the world. What you really need is China to hurry up and get going and, you know, be a credible threat in the, in the same way that companies there's always it's always nice to have two companies you know like apple and microsoft um uh, Podshow and the rest of the world uh cheese and chalk it's, it's good to have two things of contrast to keep everything ticking over which is why when there's only one superpower america it becomes so dominant um that, that really it, it casts its shadow over everything uh, and it's always uh, nice to keep an eye on the american situation to find out when i can wear my kilt to go through american customs again um you know one of the most awkward moments is would you like to take off uh, your belt sir uh, and anything metal and I'm you know you know looking at the customs obviously going I'm in a kilt 
That's not a good idea. No, no, you need to take your belt off, sir. You need to take your belt off, sir. That's that really isn't a good idea. You need to. That's not a good idea. <laughs> and you know, somebody very subtly leaned over and suggested to him why it wasn't a good idea. Um, and I got the little magic wand. Now, oh, the magic wand. The the absolute magic wand. Did, did it? So here's a question: Did they actually put the wand in up inside the kilt, or was it all entirely outside? It was outside, but I did have to lift my sporran up. I think we'll move on at that point. The next thing you may have is one Podsafe music track. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about what you have chosen? Yeah, um, I mean, I've had it with, with TPN Rock. I, I go through a huge amount of, of, of music um, every week. Um, and I think the, the one problem if, if you're hosting a music show like that is you end up bouncing around the streets of Edinburgh, um, singing your favourite tune as you do, humming it under your breath. Um, but you sound like a drunken idiot because nobody has any clue what song you're singing. That would that would make sense, I suppose. So, do you do you feel you're actually bringing it to people? Do you, do you see reactions in people? If you saw someone who maybe recognised it, would you would you strike a conversation with them? I, I probably would. Yes, if nothing else to give them my business cards, they go listen to this show um, in a bit of shameless marketing. But uh, when I, when I do that sort of thing, I tend to get the coach to myself, um, and it doesn't help that I leave my headphone cords hanging out of my rucksack. Um, you know, and you just start rocking back and forward with your hands clasped, you know. Dead easy way to get a seat, especially in the tube nowadays. Um, but anyway, artists. Um, I've decided to go for uh, an artist uh, out of uh, Liverpool, Manchester way. Um, the exact location escapes me just now. Uh, and if I choose one, it will be the wrong one. But no matter what I do, the software United supporters will get me. So there you go. Uh, this uh, is Sarah Hawley and Broken.
she's one of the many artists that, that I've played on TPM Rock. Um, and I was the, the first one to actually come up and say to her, look, I've listened to the music. I'd love to play it in a podcast. And you had to do the whole, this, couple, two, two years ago, it's whole, this is what a podcast is and explain it all. And, uh, you know, it's just watching. I mean, she's, she, she reminds me of a very young Stevie Nicks uh, with, with, with the vocals and the, the power that she has there. Okay. And, you know, it's just, just generally watching as, as over the years as, as an artist grows. I think one of the things that, you know, when you get something on mainstream music, you get the finished product. You know, you get Duran Duran as is. There you go. Um, take it and like, and like it. Uh, and, and we all did. Thank God for that. Unfortunately, Spando Bally had to come along and pretend they were better. And they weren't. Um, one of the things when, you, when you're following artists, um, when you're doing music shows like TPN Rock, is you can see those artists grow and develop. You can build up the rapport with them. I mean, CC Chapman, for example, has had a great rapport with Matthew Weeble, for example. And you bounce back, you, you get feedback. It becomes this lovely two-way process. It's the sort of thing that you, you only ever heard on regular radio um, uh, from, from people that, that took an active interest in the music, people like Tommy Vance, uh, people like John Peel, that, that sort of era of we will keep an eye on the bands and we will play the bands as opposed to we'll play what's on the playlist, um, which is the sort of thing you, you always get. You always got the feeling that Noel Edmonds kind of just coasted through the music and he just he just played Doctor Who because it was the next one on the list, not because he really did you know understand the underlying metaphors of Sylvia's mother. Is that part of the buzz for you? Is that what keeps you going? Uh, obviously, having an audience is an important thing and, and producing something and being creative and having a product and getting it out there. But the the feeling that you are, um, and it's not just a feeling, it's, it's an actual thing. You're actually helping these, these new artists and, and giving them greater exposure and working with them and being part of their development and getting them out there to a broader audience. Is that something that keeps you coming back? I, I think it... It's, it's it's almost like a triangle of fire. You know, when you have that, you know, fuel uh, and air uh, and heat that you need to keep a fire going. I mean, for a musical career, what you need is you need you need the music, you need the fan, and you need you know the, some way for the music to get to the fans. Um, and I love presenting new things. I I love just sitting there tinkering and see what happens. I I love showing people come and have a look at this. Um, and not just with music. Um, you know when there's new puzzles or or things on on the web and everything. It's just that that, that sort of get around the campfire. Uh, and so so what did you do today? And it's like well I found a band. Um, I I I found out how I could fold a bit of paper uh, into the shape of the Titanic and sail it away. Um, just. You know, I found a pebble. Ooh, let's roll over the island. Um, I, I, that process of discovery and sharing, I think, is, is key to the human experience. Um, the 20th century, um, looking back on it, I think is going to be seen as the one point in human history when, when our leisure and our culture became passive. Up, up till about 1910, 1920, all, all culture, theatre, music, stories, discussion, all had to be something that you interacted with even if it was just to go into a theater sit down and watch the show you, you were still there so you know for a large part of the 20th century you sat there and you just let it wash over you moving at the 21st century we were getting two way back in we're getting interactive admittedly it's over far greater distances than from the back of the albert hall uh, up to the orchestral pit but we're getting that interactivity back in again uh, and, and i think that uh, the 20th century is um going to be just looked at and went what what they just sat there Interesting how, uh, yes, yeah, interesting how people will actually look back and, and, and see this. That's a very interesting perception. I mean, it's uh, Kevin Marks actually brought that one up about a month ago um, on his blog. He just sat there and went, oh, I've got it. 
bang. And you, and you, you look at that, you read it, and it, and it's such a simple idea um, that you just can't help to not take it on board and go, well, that yeah, that's what's driven me for the last two or three years. I just needed you to write that down for me, Kevin. Thank you. Now, the next thing you're permitted to bring onto the island is something which is less than technologically uh, orientated, shall we say, which is a book. Well, I have, I have got um, um, it's it's a first edition print actually. It's leather bound. It's how to rule over a desert island like a god and get everything you want for a pebble. I'm sorry, that's that's the one we cannot, uh, we must disallow ah. that particular one. It is banned in a number of islands in the area for a whole a whole load of reasons. That's very good. So, so what I've actually done here is I have an alter, alternative ready, and I've I've had to consider this quite carefully. Um, you know, because we've already got you know with your website, you've got quite a bit of reading material already. Uh, we've got material to listen to as well. Um, and I didn't want to bring over a popular because you know I suspect a lot of people are going to have things like Lord of the Rings. You know, you know the, the entire Mars trilogy um, from not Edgar Rice Burroughs. He did the Mars about seven or eight of them with, with Asia Thoris and everything. They were fun. Um, I've actually went for a for a very obscure book. It was published by the Cambridge Light University Entertainment Society in 1973 uh, by Adam Smith Adams, um, which was a triumvirate, um, of which one of the Adams was, of course, with uh, Douglas Adams. Um, basically, they didn't get into footlights, so they, they set up clues. Um, and uh, one of their shows, uh, they actually created a programme. That programme consisted of this book, uh, which was simply entitled uh, How to Impair Your Reading Ability. And what does this this book do? Does it actually impair your reading ability, or is it something that's that's really just uh, the usual Douglas Adams style of, of humour and twisting everything around? Well, well, I've actually got an, an extract here, um, which, which, which I think uh, will sum it up some wonderfully. If we can just take a quote here: uh, "By the time you've read the opposite page, uh, you'll probably be feeling restive and wondering when the show will start. Well, it should start at the exact moment that you read the first word of the next sentence." If it hasn't started yet, you're reading too fast. If it still hasn't started, you are reading much too fast, and this is where we can recommend this book, written and published by us. With this slim volume, you will find that your reading powers shrink to practically nothing within a very short space of time. The more you read, the slower you get. Theoretically, you will never get to the end of the book, which makes it the best value book you will have ever brought to an island. That's very interesting. I, I, that is actually... Uh give me inspiration to, to to check this book out because that really appeals to me i was sat here trying to stop myself from bursting out laughing because that kind of humor and that kind of uh the, the way that's actually put together and, and twisting the whole idea is very much appealing i think it would be you know you, you know if there was one thing out of all this that you would take to the desert island it would be that book so perhaps you cannot come off the desert island until you have finished the book oh you see that would be the philip k dick version well, you have one more item you can bring onto the island uh, that you need to talk to us about, and that is back into the geek world, uh, hopefully. Not necessarily, I suppose, but um, you have one device or gadget that you can bring with you. What will that be? Well, my original plan uh, with my first little items was to bring a pebble. So I, um, on the assumption that that was not going to get passed, um, I actually have a second choice. Um, you might actually spot a theme coming through here. Um, I, you said geeky and devicey and stuff, but um, I'm going to go old school again on this one, Strindloff. I'm going to bring a Filofax with me. Uh, my Filofax. Um, lovely. Um, it's five years old now. Uh, actually, no, it's more than five. It's seven years old. Um, the personal Kensington Real Leather Filofax um, with uh, six ring binders. Um, 
huge amounts of paper. Um, this this is essentially when I when I travel and and in the office. This this is as good, if not better, than a laptop computer for organising things. I mean, it it obviously doesn't do email very well. Um, but uh, you know, it's 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 all tabbed off. Um, so, th this, for example, this here has uh, two rows of six tabs, uh, and each one of these I, I consider to be an application. So, one of them is my uh, getting things done list. One of them is uh, notes for when I put together the uh, PSP podcast or psp.thepodcastnetwork.com, and there are uh, similar dividers for rock.thepodcastnetwork.com, uh, the tech conference show, techcom.podcastnetwork.com, blah 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 blah, and so on and so on and so on. One of them for noting comedy ideas, a generic notebook. One for uh, some story work that I'm writing on, one for conference planning, uh, one for travel that I've booked through throughout March for the, the fun and games that are going on at the moment, uh, a tickle diary for those of you that, that uh, know what that is, uh, plans for a secret web 2.0 projects, monetary breakdowns, uh, and an address book at the back, and a space to hold business cards. Um, it's essentially, uh, it's Outlook in leather and paper. Have you always had analogue solutions to organise yourself? Uh, no one, strangely enough, I was one of the great proponents of the old Sign 3s and 5s. Um, and, you know, with the power of the mobile phones, you still have those going on nowadays uh, as great potentials. Um, but but as, as I said, I switched back about five years ago and th there's something genuine uh, and there's there's something positive about writing something down. Uh, and there's also the fact that you can keep it running when your plane crashes. Um, I'm sorry, sorry. Comes into land and is under ten thousand feet. And and it has, of course, many other ancillary uses. Your your, your scion organizers would organize things and maybe play the occasional games. Uh, but but on a desert island, uh, well, for first of all, um, you've got your six ring metal binders. This is great to create sparks, uh, so you can light fire on driftwood uh, using just the components of your final facts the the leather uh, can be used as, as either a lure um, or you can cut them into small strips to tie to fishing wire for example to create your own flies uh, and obviously the graphite that's in the pencil can be used to make it shiny um, the paper itself of course you can you can do a bit of origami so you can make your hat to keep the sun off and you can uh, use these to interleave little shelters on your leaves um, and of course you could just spell out great big words on the ground you know as in go away I'm reading my book uh, is, is always a great idea you know, there's little plastic dividers that you can you can use to create very small uh, miniature slingshots uh, with a huge amount of stored potential energy in the plastic. I'm sorry, I, I seem to be turning into uh, an SAS agent on a survival patrol here. You certainly seem to have it all wor worked out. That, that's what I can say. Do you think you would have to create some specific new sections in the file effects to cope with the rather unique environment and circumstances of being on the island? Well, the great thing is, uh, with the tab ones, you can actually pop out the little bit of paper inside the tab turn it over and write another name on the tab um, so for example it's, it's very likely that I would need to worry about my financial tab so I could flip that over and write another name on it uh, which is possibly where the nice seashells are so, I mean, if things like getting things done, things still need to be done on the island, notebook, things still need to be not, you, you'd still need to keep track of the days and everything, rather than scratch on a rock, then, you know, you can use, use your actual diary, great for keeping notes, and of course, when you get lifted off the desert island, you can sell it to Oprah Winfrey for $5 million. I think from what you've said, particularly with the file effects, that you're going to have no trouble whatsoever surviving on this island for a period of time. And, however, I do suspect you may try to smuggle that little pebble on with you, in which case we need to uh, to check you over quite extensively with the wand or whatever other device we feel is appropriate when you turn up with your kilt. Ewan, I have to say, 
your five choices were, were interesting. Your justifications were very, very strong, and I'm going to allow all five items in. Woo! <laughs> which you're obviously very happy, which is, a, which is a good thing. Actually, most people do tend to get their five items items in because uh, they seem to desperately want them, which is, which is extremely good. We had, I, think, I think we've only turned away one, one device, uh, and actually that was switched for something else. So uh, you and Spence, welcome to the island with your five items. Enjoy your stay. It's a bit windy. It is the windy season. The rainy season comes next week. You'll you'll be absolutely fine. Uh, I hope you enjoy your stay and uh, make the most of your time alone. I feel the sudden need to go and listen to Heart now on my MP3 player. You and thank you very much and uh, enjoy your time on the island. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, listeners. Uh, com will be where you will find me when I shall return. This program was produced and presented by Neil Dixon. To get yourself in touch with the show if you want to take part, have a comment, or want to suggest a geek for a future episode, drop us an email at customs at desertislandgeek.com. I think I left the gas on it.